Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and on this show I am joined by Joel Sked. Hello. And Mark McCardle. Hello. And we've got Mark back on the show for the main reason uh, was to go over the next in our series of memorable teams, which was the Tommy Burns slash Vim Janssen Celtic side, kind of between 94 and 98, where they went, you know, the kind of club built themselves back up. And then finally, Stocks Rangers winning 10 in a row at the, at the final hurdle. But it's also quite handy that we've got Mark on the show for this week, because he, he is a Celtic fan, and so we can just shout obscenities at him for the next <laughs> 20 minutes before we move on. Because uh, this club have been playing victim again, haven't they? <laughs> I'm so glad I came on this week. <laughs> right, for, right, well, there's quite a lot to get through with regards to this, uh, this whole Josh Meekins celtic Cali semi-final fallout. So let's start. Let's start first of all with the Meekins ban. I've I don't know, I'll, I'll go to you guys in a second. I've kind of done a full circle on this. When the ban was first issued, I thought it was completely r- ridiculous, and because partly because I wasn't even aware beforehand that they could dish out this uh, this kind of punishment for 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 the crime on the field. This is you know a handball. And also, I think my head was ruled by sentiment as well. I really didn't want to see Josh Beacons um, miss the final. And I still think it's ridiculous because of the fact that I don't think these laws should exist in the first place. And I kind of agree with what FIFA said. I think it sets a dangerous precedent. I mean, how much do you really want to pull up after a game? How, how much do you want to then, you know, we like football, we like the fact that a lot of it's in the moment. That's why a lot of people aren't too happy about even having... Um, technology at the game and uh, video evidence because you don't want it to stop. You just let it let it flow, let it be as it is. And I mean, how much are we going to start pulling up after matches? And it it does. It, I don't also very much hate the fact that it's it's not it's, there's a lack of equality between the top levels and the bottom. And in, in this instance, it's actually the players at the top who get shafted more than the players lower down because they. It seems to only be because I'm. Got to be pretty certain that the compliance officer doesn't have footage of every game in the league, and I also wouldn't be surprised if he's only watching highlights packages as opposed to full games. So that that just isn't really fair, and that means that players are getting pulled up for incidents that may happen exactly the same way in another league or in another game, and it isn't the same punishment. And Josh Meekins, in my opinion, has been a victim here because it was a Scottish Cup semi-final. So I mean, had it been a league game. I'm not even sure this, this would have been as big a case. I'm not blaming that on Celtic for, for raising the point. I just think I think it was going to happen regardless. That was kind of my opinion on the matter. 
But at the same time, I am a stickler for the fact that the rules are there. You can't make an exception. He has this ability to, to, to give out this punishment. And if he's got this ability, and this is supposedly his job, he has to do it. Because you can't just make a special case. Like, say, you can't just go in sentiment and say that Meekins, he's a good lad. It's Cali playing in the first cup final. It's not bad in their centre half. They're already missing Gary Warren. Yeah, they're already missing Gary Warren. So, yeah, so that kind of sums up my feelings. I hate the entire rule. I want it scrapped. I want it to be looked at. I mean, maybe violent conduct off the ball. Maybe diving. And that's it. No more of this. Because, I mean, how many other things are we going to start doing now? If somebody trips somebody up going into the penalty area and the referee waves play on, do we then ban them for a game afterwards? I mean, how far does this snowball? And I and I just don't like the whole thing anyway. But since it's there, it is hard to argue. And also, considering the fact that Meekins has come out and said, he said after the game his hand was in, in that trouble position, and John Hughes said it was a stonewall penalty and red card, I'm going to also be very surprised if they now win their appeal. Although, having said that, I can't believe that Chifty won either of his appeals. So... There is that. Yeah, I I've been toing and fro toing and froing on this. Uh, we we had had a little bit of a debate yesterday on our WhatsApp group with uh, Craig Anderson, who um, it, it gets to the point where sometimes with Craig you feel the ref official dumb could be Nazi sympathisers, and he would find a way to defend them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I can I can see where he's, where he's coming from. Uh, the, like you said, the rules, as you said as well, the, the rules are there. And that's um, even though it's the f- um, there's it's the first time it's ever happened. That doesn't make it any any less valid. That so, so the rules are there for it to happen. I think it's just the, the fact that it's how it's came about and when it's when it's came about. People, as you as you said, you didn't know this rule existed for handball, and uh, I don't think anyone else has, which is um, partly all of folks for not actually knowing not knowing the rules. He's, um, I, I still think if Celtic hadn't make, made as much a deal of it, I don't think he would have got pulled up. And if that's 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 that's, but I think I, any club's going to make a deal of it. I think if it was an Inverness Hibs semi final, Hibs would have made a big deal of it, and I still think it'd be the same punishment. It's just it's a, such a huge story because it's on a national scale. Maybe if it'd been Inverness Falkirk, then maybe. But if it was Hibs, if it was Alan Stubbs coming out making a huge deal of it, the club releasing statements. Because, well, I don't know if Hibs would have... They might have done. Hibs have quite, you know... Leanne Dempster's in the media quite a lot, so she might have said something about it. And I still think it would be the same punishment. It's kind of thing, it's... Like you say, it is unprecedented, kind of... But this, the, these laws have only been in place for three years. And, unsurprisingly, we've not had many Stonewall handballs on the line not given for and punished on the park. So that's why it's unprecedented. It's always going to be unprecedented. If you introduce laws like that, even if it was explicitly stated in the rules from the start that this was included, it's still it's going to be a while before you see that sort of thing. Referees usually see that on the park. One thing that has annoyed me is the amount of things I've heard, and this extends to other podcasts like listening to Football Ramble and the Guardian um, Football Weekly, where they both said that the referee, Alan Muir, at the side was looking right at it from five yards away. And I said this on Monday's podcast, I wasn't so sure if, he, if he, his view was obstructed, but I think... I can't remember which news channel it was, it might be an STV, kind of done slightly the virtual reality thing where the move shifted from one camera to another and they didn't show his perspective but you could kind of see his line of vision as they moved it from from kind of the other side and you could see then that his view was obstructed. So yeah, the referee should spot it. I, I, I still, I'm still unsure on um, McLean, yep it's, it, it's a handball but on first viewing, when, when I watched it, I, uh, I watched I was kind of flicking through it as, as I watched it, and on first view, and I thought, was, yeah, he's hit his head. It happened so quick, and um, again, Celtic six Celtic players were uh, pretty um, irate in their in their appeals, and understandably so because the, the players around it uh, saw it more clearly. But again, uh, McLean couldn't go on their uh, on their reactions, yeah. and. Um, even the second time I watched it, because I rounded it back to watch it again, it still looked like, it, even though I knew what I was looking for, you could see with the pace it was going at, it still looked like it, it hit his head. So I could understand why why he missed it. Yeah, that was... Um, it's The Celtic point of view. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't disagree massively with either of you. Um, I think there's been a lot of hysteria um, about this, particularly on social media, as there usually is, um, since Sunday. And a lot of people claiming that we were cheated out of a treble um, 
seem to kind of forget the fact that this was what 30 odd minutes in and it was 11 versus 11 and one Celtic were 1 0 up at the time already. Yeah, I do get the feeling that a lot of Celtic fans have kind of not consciously done this but in their mind consciously have it that this handball was missed and all of a sudden it was one each and Celtic yeah. were down to 10 men. Yeah. No, it seems to be, uh, there seems to be a sort of slight revision on reality, definitely. It's. The fact, the fact is, um, as, as good a side as Inverness Cali have been under John Hughes and even before that under Terry Butcher, they're a side that Celtic should beat, especially mm-hmm. when they're on the on the way to a treble. Or and when they're a goal up. Yeah, when you're a goal ahead at Hamden and your support are 10 to 1 outnumbering the Cali fans because of the SFA's genius scheduling yet again... Um, you you shouldn't lose a game. You shouldn't lose so, it. Is this the same out. SFA that are against Celtic? <laughs> yeah, apparently. So. <laughs> um, I mean, I've seen guys on Twitter who have clearly spent some time on this since Sunday and have dug out YouTube videos and uh, of Stephen McLean missing or not calling or erroneously calling decisions wrongly. Um, which I can sort of see the point they're trying to get at at times. There's guys, oh, oh, this is Stephen McLean not giving a penalty for Celtic against whoever. It then descended into this is Stephen McLean not giving a penalty to Aberdeen uh, or not giving a foul to Aberdeen in the last kick of the ball of last season where Motherwell then scored as a result. And you begin to wonder where the anti-Celtic bias is between Motherwell and Aberdeen. I'm beginning to lose the point. Um, I don't yeah. know. Where's the link yeah. there? Exactly, exactly. We're just, we're just saying it's a crap ref. Yeah, it's uh, fine, we're happy uh, enough to admit that. Yeah, but the thing is, that's the point, is that Stephen McLean it clearly hasn't hasn't done his job properly. Isn't a very good referee, let's say, um, on based on Sunday's showing. And these guys that are, are sort of hunting down this conspiracy theory, they're actually inadvertently just proving that that's the point and that it's not a a Celtic-specific bias um, because like these guys have so kind of judiciously researched into He's made mistakes before and they haven't necessarily been just to the detriment of Celtic. Um, so the fact, the fact stands that the, the guy, obviously, Josh Meekins handles the ball. Um, we can all see that we, uh, mm-hmm. with, with the, the benefit of having instant replays. And like uh, Joe said, it, t- it took a couple of replays before you sort of spot the, the one angle where it's, it's blatantly obvious it was a handball. Um, there was another video I saw doing the rounds on Twitter on Sunday and Monday of a close-up of Alan Muir as it happened and as he kind of runs back along the line away from, back along the line away from the decision, mouthing something, saying something into his mic. Um, <laughs> again, the conspiracy theories that he was saying... Pens, pens, pens. Because <laughs> apparently we're doing a sale on penalties. <laughs> um, I think, considering that he came out and said, well, I thought it hit his face, it was, it was pretty reasonable to assume from the video he was saying face, face, face. Um, yeah. So let's put that one to bed. But, um, <laughs> pens, 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 pens. Pens, pens, yeah, 50% off. Pens, pens, pens. All stock must go. Um, it's just ridiculous. At the end of the day, that... The penalty, as much as Celtic should... There's no denying Celtic should have had a penalty and that Josh Meekins should have been off the park. Neither of those things happened. Celtic were one up. They were 11 versus 11. 11. They should have won the game. They should have gone and got a second or a third goal eventually. Right. So there's that. There's also... I I I actually don't think Steve McLean's a bad ref. I think he's one of the better. No, I don't actually think he is that bad. Uh, Referees make mistakes. Yeah, I I, I do think he just had, had an off day, made a couple other... Uh, dodge errors as sports team picked up on and again going back to what you said earlier on Craig that bringing in um, like TV footage it was a game cliche alert but um, mistakes are part and parcel of the game and without them in football it's, it would get a bit shy yeah. enjoy, enjoy mistakes yeah. it's, uh, makes, it makes it's, it's, a bit of I say this I'm just banging my head off fun. I'm banging my head off the wall now because I just say this every week it's, if you want if you want to get rid of the refereeing mistakes, you just you have to change the rules of football. You have to kind of make it a different game. You also have to don't have. You also have to appreciate the fact you won't have anything to talk about all week. Yeah. Unless somebody goes and bangs in four or five goals every week, nobody cares. You and, know what I mean? uh, if you win one nil, we would talk about stuff. Cause we yeah, look yeah. At you know what I mean? <laughs> What, the what, sun in the record would just go yeah, uh, existence within days. <laughs> who cares about a one 0 win? Do you know what I mean? Like it really, like who cares about? There's nothing remarkable necessarily about a one 0 win. What is interesting is when somebody is done out a penalty or is is done out of a, a, a 
certain red card. Look at, you mentioned earlier before we came on air about the Nadia Chifshi uh, appeals. Look at that game, the Dundee United game, the amount of talking points that were generated from one one minute of just like Not even a minute, uh, yeah, yeah, like five seconds, seconds. ten seconds. And, and so Scottish, Scottish football fans have it in their head now that Scottish football referees are the worst in the world. And if you even if you watch a little bit of European football, if you watch the match of the day, yeah, you can and see they're professionals. That, uh, yeah, everywhere. It's uh, referees' decisions are a joke. I mean, if this handball incident, um, if the kind of handball, the, the, this whole kind of situation of getting um, suspended for handball, Spain would have no players left. They get they get booked uh, <laughs> right to center on the handball. Uh, the whole, I think part of the reason there's a sour taste in the mouth is because of, like I said, I don't believe it's not my opinion uh, that Celtic caused the. Meekin's ban to be dished out but a lot of people do not share that opinion uh, and it does leave a bit of a sour taste in the mouth because Celtic Celtic are right in that a lot of teams write to the SFA just wanting clarification for, for why it, a decision was made in a match and that's fine apparently this is common practice I certainly don't like that because this goes back let the referees do their jobs clarification is this week's uh, sporting integrity isn't it? yeah it really is Um <laughs> But the fact that Celtic made it public and it just... It, it goes on to the, the stereotype that Celtic fans like to play up to being victims when it's just... For anybody who supports any other team, it just it really... It really fucks you yeah. off, to be yeah. fair. But the amount of times you have decisions go against you, like Celtic Park and, and the like. Although it's been a bit embarrassing from uh, clubs from other teams, especially one Edinburgh team who have um, brought up every single incident over the last 50 years, it seems... <laughs> Summoning of uh, one dodgy referee decision. Did Celtic get a decision go against them? You'll go for them early in the season in a, in a game against this team because I don't think I've seen anybody mention no, it. No, I don't no, think so. No, Involving John, John Guidetti. Yeah, yeah, when he slipped. Yeah. Why, <laughs> I've, I've had enough seen that picture. Why, why did I come on this week again? <laughs> I'm done. We're, 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 no, we're going back to We're going back to all football fans are dickheads. I seen someone bring up. The, we were talking off air about the 2006, the 2006 yeah. game yeah. and someone bring up about uh, Takis Fisas it's nearly 10 years ago let it go <laughs> and at the time I thought it was a Stonewall Red Cup and uh, yeah when you see it in, in, in full because uh, uh, of the angle and also people didn't because they were kind of side on with it and they could see that no contact was made but I was behind it as soon as he made the challenge I was like oh, that's a Red Cup that's off <laughs> <laughs> so aye yeah anyway D- defend your club <laughs> I think uh, I'm not, I'm not here to defend Celtic. Um, the fact is, you're right. The fact that they, they made a big song and dance and publicly sort of announced that they had written to the SFA for clarification. Why not just write to the SFA and then, if nothing comes of, if, if this week, this entire week, if, if we got till Friday and no notice of complaint had been served, nothing had been done, then they could have come out and went, look, we, we wrote to the SFA for clarification, mm-hmm. they're getting back to us on that. Rather than on Monday, Tuesday, announcing that they'd done it, and then within hours, and it was a complaint happens to come out like the next the next afternoon. I think it would have happened anyway, just because it does always take a few days. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I, I think I just, I just think that was a bit of a coincidence. People say like, "Oh, it seemed to come out." Like, why didn't it come out earlier? It's never come out earlier. Yeah. The, the compliance officers always seem to wait until like the Tuesday or yeah. the Wednesday. It's, There's it's, always a day of, or two of kind of limbo where players. In certain situations, they don't quite know, and then yeah. the, the notes which kind of also leaves a bad taste in the mouth, and could all, it could be done. Because I mean, what was he not watching the game? Yeah, I know. You, I mean, are we really? That's the thing. Are we really? The notes are complete. Should have been waiting in the dressing room yeah. for Josh Meekins come back in. Who is the compliance officer? It's Tony McGlennon. McGlennon, yeah. Him just standing in the hallway with a red card to <laughs> Josh Meekins. <laughs> 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 We don't accept that. <laughs> he should have, you know, what he should have done. He should have put it in a congratulations card and addressed it to him. Congrats. Just <laughs> <laughs> <Red card inside. laughs> Oops. Sorry, Josh. But I would recommend. Un- un- sad face. <laughs> on the issue, um, STV Sport had put something up yesterday. A good kind of question uh, laid out, kind of question answer. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah. Of the, the whole situation, the whole the, the, the rules behind it. Um, the compliance officer for that says it's well worth reading. It did kind of help frame um, a bit more knowledge around the around the situation and subject. So, yeah, so I think that's us done with that. 
just, just, just as 18 minutes on, on, on one notice of complaint. Um, yeah, let's say uh, before we get on to the memorable team, and then of course we've got punt of the week coming up as well, which I've just realised I've forgot to pick my bets again, so we're going to have to do an edit at some point in the show. Um, but the player of the year nominations have been announced throughout the week. We'll not get to every league because we're not going to sit here and pretend that we can really discuss the merits of a, of a League One and League Two. But we can come do... on, Alan Trevor. No, come on. Uh, I don't know if Swanky's been. No, I don't think he has. Ah, Understandably. Shocking. See, that's that's. I mean, that's conspiracy right there. Um, uh, but um, Billy Gibson, I like like yeah. Billy Gibson there just because for nostalgia reasons watching him play Kelly as a 19 year old and thinking he looked quite good and he's not right so the SPFL Premiership we'll just go through it I'll mention it and then we'll talk about it and then I'll go through the other the other awards SPL Premiership Player of the Year nominations are Virgil van Dijk Adam Rooney Greg Stewart and Stefan Johansson uh, two questions the first first of all any any problem with that at all? no there's um Minor complaints, but there's no um, what, no one player there. There's, there's obviously uh, missed out or uh, should feel hard um, hard yeah. done by, and there's no one on that list who sh- it shouldn't be there. Um, all of all have been excellent this season, and um, the the one one name I'm really glad to see there's uh, Greg Stewart, and the one name I'm kind of glad I'm not seeing there is Craig Gordon. <laughs> yeah, we've talked to this before. We just think that Gordon's been slightly overhyped because of how good a story it is, and his yeah. best performances came in Europe. He's had some great scenes. And his worst performance came in Europe. Yeah, his worst performance came in Europe. So he's not put a foot wrong in the league, but then he is a certainly goalkeeper. Many weeks he doesn't have to even put the foot on or put the feet on the park. That was rubbish, but anyway, <laughs> let's continue. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, I said before we came on here, I'll be honest, I, I, I said that I was surprised slightly that Craig Gordon was in, wasn't in there um, in place of Van Dijk. Uh, and maybe that is, maybe it is just a sentimentality thing, the fact that... You can, to be fair, you can apply the same argument to Van Dijk. But it's just the fact he scored 10 goals and it's just a position yeah, where you can affect the game Is more. it 10 goals he scored? Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, I mean, the thing is, I don't think Van Dijk really... I don't mean to kind of rule him out already, but I don't think he'll win it. Because he's... He's not a sexy he, bit, is he? He's not a no, sexy it, pick. It's more the fact I, that he just seems to play... This is going to sound strange for the award for the best player, but... Seems to just play in third gear. He seems to play within himself, and I know that should sort of is play not well. First isn't or, is it not first player? or second year? Third year, yeah, third maybe. First maybe uh, <laughs> I'm not a car expert. I don't drive. Yeah, but. Um, but I just think sometimes he can look. Sometimes he looks like he's cruising, and it looks effortless. But then at times that can catch him out very occasionally. I don't know that happens more so in Europe, but um, he's been caught out occasionally this year between him and and, and Jason Denier. They've, they've sort of slept walked into the odd goal here or there shall we he, say he did so. not have a good game against Inverness I thought uh, Marley Watkins uh, did a really good job yeah. on him Adam Rooney's done, uh, did a really good job they're the only two players I've, I thought going up against Virgil van Dijk and really yeah. um, went toe to toe with them you could label the same you could maybe say Marley Watkins is a bit harshly omitted it's had a really good season I think yeah, if there was like a like a award, award just below the like the Premiership Player of the Year, like the the, the breakout player or some or some like the surprising player, Watkins could be in there. But I think he's most improved player yeah, at the tennis so, yeah. end of season awards. He yeah. might get yeah. it. Uh, but I think Virgil Van Dijk can label this the same thing uh, him as he did with um, Craig Gordon as uh, a centre back for Celtic. Is obviously his goals are, are massive. I would possibly consider Scott Brown ahead of uh, Van Dijk. He's a player that's he's even less of a sexy pick. Yeah, he just, but he's just—I think he's just so influential in the, in the, in the centre park, and it's uh, even if opposition teams pack the centre park against Celtic, him and Beaton two against something three or four, and they still look so in control. Uh, but I think it's going to come from the other three. Okay. Who do you think will win it? Johansson and deservedly so. Yeah, I think he will as well. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, just, I've, I thought I'd raise the point just uh, before we came, uh, started the show, just talking on Twitter, Craig Anderson man, uh, mentioned Ryan Jack. I think that quite a good suggest because I think he's been really influential with Aberdeen, especially when they went on that run um, when McInnes found the best way to play with Hazen midfield and Jack just in front of the defence. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think he was really stepped on and proved proved his game the game this year. So he he, he could be he, he could even make a, a case for him being in there. He was on the bench the other day though, I think. Aberdeen fans still aren't 
100% sold on Jack. I think it's because him and Flood don't really work in the team. And there's, there's, there's fans of each player who think that Flood should be in the team and some think Jack should be in the, the team. Be, the best Aberdeen have played this season, certainly about what I've seen, and the best run they went on yeah, was, with was, with, was with Jack and Flood and Robson were, no, were nowhere near the team. Um, Reynolds could be considered. Mm. And a very, again, maybe our breakout player for this, for this new award that we should have. Uh, Shailab Logan has been excellent. Yeah, this yeah really, I thought, uh, other than... Graham Shinney as well. Graham Shinney, yeah. There's a lot of very good. I, I saw a tweet. There's a lot of kind of like yeah. you, you kind of look at that list and look at Greg Stewart and thinking Player of the Year. Kind of really? I, think, I think he's signing the. Um, he's yeah. he rivals. He rivals Craig Gordon for signing the signing season. But at the same time, there is kind of like a lot of. It's going to be one of those seasons. There's a lot of very good players. I don't think there's been many outstanding players in the league. Even though I do think it's been still a, a quite a good season. Yeah, I, I saw. Um, Someone retweet about a Scottish, um, a Scottish football fan saying that there's no, there's no good players in the league. Absolute nonsense. There's 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 loads. Who was who? Do you know who this was? No, so it was Ross Dunbar that uh, retweeted it. All oh, right, so it was somebody else. I, I, I'm not sure who uh, who the person was. No he, good players. Shut up, you fuck. Right, <laughs> young, young player of the year award. Uh, this encompasses all the leagues, as far as I'm aware, because well, otherwise it doesn't really make any sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is Jamie Walker, Ryan Christie, Sam Nicholson. And Jason Denier. Who is who is lucky to be in that list, Joe? Sam Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. So very lucky to be, be on that list. Um, he had a great start to the season and yeah. then he's just um, went off the boil completely. He's, yeah. he's the third best winger at Hearts. Well, I would, I would still the best young player. I'm still debate that I'm still not um, completely um, I think sure King, on Willie King. He's probably going to have a better career than Billy King. And he's going to have a better career than David Smith. Yeah, yeah oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> I think he's a more talented. Um, however, I do think King's had a better season. He's had more assists, I think. I think he's been, he's more, he's been more effective. Yeah. So He's been certainly been more effective. And but yeah, he's, he can as far as, as, far as I'm aware, the criteria for young player of the year is that you have to be 21 or younger at the start of the season. So Alan Washturk would fit into that. And I can't believe... But just scary. He's, he, look, he doesn't look 21. He doesn't. Uh, I can't believe, maybe that's why he's been left off us, because I can't believe that he's, he's not there instead of Nicholson, because he definitely yeah, is. Yeah, just looking at team photos and eyes, nah, he's, 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 he's not he's he's there <laughs> Even Callum Patterson's not had a great year, but he probably deserves to be there as much as Nicholson does. No. No? No, I've not. Uh, both kind of much and much. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah, though. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't vote for him either, but he deserves, like I said, his vote is about as good as Nicholson's. Uh, anybody else missing that we can think of? There's not really. Gordon Waddle had that article a month back saying that there really was a lack of players in the top flight who qualify for the award. I think John McGinn, and it was only about four. John McGinn. It was well, he set his benchmark of having started twenty games. Which there was. Oh, that's fair. Fair enough. You, yeah, it's kind of, what you need to have uh, at least have an effect on. on, yeah, on well, it's fair enough to extend. But as if you started eighteen years and played like fifteen coming off the bench, what you're not young player of the year material. Because yeah, I think there was a couple who were in that kind of bracket but anyway. And the other, the only really other ones available were like Sean Kelly, <laughs> Jason Naismith, and John McGinn. And you can't have a, you can't have this season's Sumerian team winning anything. No, no, not even player accolades. It's just it would be horrible. That would be a, a market and own goal for the game. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think they've had five good games between them. So no, uh, yeah, it's again just thinking of um, terrible ages. Uh, I, I don't think there's anyone that kind of really stands out that's missing off that list. Cummings is he not a bit harsh to be omitted in favour of Nicholson? Top not, scorer, yeah, 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 not a huge fan of Cummins. His overall game lacks a bit of things, but he scores goals and he's, and he's top goal scorer in the championship. And he's had a better season than Sam Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, Cummins. Is, yeah, I, I agree with that. Cummins is a good, a decent goal scorer, um, but he's like you say, he's, he's far from a, a complete player, shall we say? But um, I think it's going to be, it's going to have to be even. I mean, I know deniers in there. It's going to have to be a hard player. Is it? I, I, I would vote so. for Denier. Oh, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I, no, no disrespect to Denier. He's he's a good player, but like I said before we we started, you put him in that side alongside anybody other than Van Dyke, and he just doesn't even have positional sense at times. Whereas, I mean, I know you obviously you take an issue with Sam Nicholson, but. Um, I think it has to go to a Hearts player for what Hearts have done this year. So you, if, you would vote for Walker then? I would vote for Jimmy Walker. If Walker did what he's done this season in the Premiership, then he would have won it had, had, oh, yeah, hands yeah. down. But have, there's a caveat that it's, he's, who, he's, who he's done it against. Ryan Christie's he's not... Um, 
Yeah, I think he's had a lot of good performances, but there's, I don't, there's, he's not got the goals and assists. I don't think, I don't think yeah. he's, he's been effective in terms of so, in terms of numbers. Who would you vote for? Jamie Walker because I like him. <laughs> really big fan of him. Uh, who do you think will win? Denier. Yeah, I think Denier will win as well. Probably right. Unfortunately, that's, unfortunately, that's a bit harsh <laughs> on my own team. But I just there's just. Denier's a good player um, but I think Jimmy Walker deserves it I, I think, I think the, the player of the year is much more interesting than the young player of the year this, this, this season yes yep. um, championship player of the year and this is why the Ali Mostock omission from the young player doesn't make any sense because he's in there and Sam Nicholson isn't uh, along with Walker again uh, Magana Gomez and Scott Allen I think Allen, I, I don't have any problem with this I think Allen will, will win it Um Simply because it's like obviously you've got the three hearts players will take votes. Yeah, yeah, I think, that, yeah. I think that'll happen as well. I would vote for Oshtuk. I um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that's really hard, hard decision. Um, that's just my personal one. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with anybody who wanted to vote for Walker or, or Gomez or even Allen to be fair. But yeah, it's um, I'd, I'd probably just agree. I think Allen will get it though. Like you, like exactly like you say, Hearts players will take votes off each other. No, you're probably right. You're probably Jamie Walker. I think again, I think Jamie Walker deserves it. But you're probably right. You're going to have Hibs fans and everybody that doesn't like Hearts voting for Scott <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think um, the players in the in the league will vote for um, Osterk either. I wouldn't be surprised if you got the the fourth least uh, votes despite yeah, probably being the best player. That. It was it was a news story today that uh, Jamie Walker said that he voted for Scott Allen for. Um, for the, for the player of the year but um, you're not allowed to vote for players in your own team so yeah. who, else, who the hell else was he going to pick he's not going to pick anybody for Rangers is he Oshtuk's uh, voted Wallace <laughs> really yeah. I mean, Oshtuk's a bit mental that's why we love him um, <laughs> I th- uh, to be fair Derek Lyle and Gavin Riley could have earned outside shouts yeah. but they're just not that kind of you'd be surprised because even though I think we can see from Virgil van Dijk's Player of the Year, like people like to make out that players know more, like they're the ones that play the games, and they know more about the opposition. First of all, I thought Graham Sherry's first name was Andrew. Uh, second of all, you can see <laughs> from his team that a lot of it was down to kind of what the media kind of states. So, now, so why get, should we let players pick this? Did, did I get deleted? Because I went, to, I, I favourited on on Twitter and I went to look at it and it was like supposed to be removed. Maybe, was maybe Celt- on Celtic's website or. Maybe I had. Possibly. Yeah. Well, I was on. I was on the that until you said that. It was on Twitter feed. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he said Shinny and the person writing it thought, "All right, it'll be Andrew Shinny then." And yeah. Got I, I, I really check. not sure if Virgil Van Dyke will know the difference between um, he would just say Shinny. Probably. I would. I would be surprised if Van Dyke even registers the fact that there is a Graham and an Andrew <laughs> Shinny. <laughs> <laughs> he really thought it was the same yeah, guy. Yeah, just like Shinny. Ah, he's he's moved. He's done well since he's slotted into his new position and f- had a facelift. <laughs> and playing a bit further back, he's uh, he's lost a bit of height and he's got a different hair colour. <laughs> nice beard though. Uh, right, I think we're done with uh, the present. Let's let's delve into the past. Yes. And number four, we're getting very close to the end now. Uh, of a memorable team series. Somebody actually sent us a, a tweet saying, uh, <laughs> said, I've really enjoyed the memorable team series. I can't wait for it to finish. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think you've explained yourself very well. Uh, I think it, maybe you can't wait to see what's number one. Yeah. Yeah, that, or you really did not enjoy it. And there's sarcasm in there. Uh, uh, number four, as I said at the top of the show, is the Tommy Burns Celtic team. Starting in 94 and going on to... Well, sorry, Tommy Burns into Vim Janssen. Going on to, to Janssen and the Celtic team. Finally ending Rangers' dominance in terms of league trophies. So, so we begin in 94. I'm going to hope you'll take over a bit of this when we get to the 98 season. Because my I, notes I, I, I ran out of time to do research. <laughs> I've been swatting up all week on my, my notes start at the 96, so I'll see you in maybe five minutes. See you in five, <laughs> see you in five minutes. Uh, 94, Burns joined from Kilmarnock. He, was, uh, he, brought, he joined Kelly as a player when they were in the second division, yeah. which is the old second division, which is now League One. Helped him get promoted, then took over as player manager, helped him win promotion again, and I'm pretty sure he helped him stay in the league as well, the first season. He did, right, it was yeah. when uh, three teams got relegated, I think. Yeah, so he done an unbelievable job as Kelly player boss. He then uh, 
left, though, in slightly acrimonious circumstances with Celtic be- actually being fined for tapping him up, uh, £100,000. And he was still... He's playing, he might have even played for Celtic. Which is strange to imagine. Can you really... I mean, I don't know. For me, Tommy Burns is the first manager I can remember at Celtic being a kid. I was four when he arrived and... It's a strange idea that Tommy Burns would still be playing for Celtic in 94, 95. I don't yeah. know if that would have happened. Well, they've been playing the season before for Kelly, and True. they weren't that much worse off with Celtic, True. and that shows you how bad Celtic were yeah, at the time. Yeah, a fair point. Uh, so he might have at least made himself like a squad player, maybe similar to Alex Neal at, um, at Hamilton this season. But he couldn't play because... He was basically still, he was basically still Kamarok manager, like officially, like player manager. Just held on to the paperwork. <laughs> and Kamarok yeah. held on to his player registration, so yeah. he couldn't play for Celtic. Uh, so it was very messy. I doubt he'd even. I think nowadays that whole thing would have to have been properly sorted out. I would imagine that would have been taken to like a court of arbitration for sport yeah. or something eventually. I don't think that sort of situation would have been allowed to exist. Still a registered today. player. Yeah. Kamarok is managing Celtic. <laughs> And he actually got off to a great start as Celtic manager. He won, I think it was only the third game of the season, he won the Ibrox. Right, yeah. Um, John Collins and Paul McStay. And things were looking a lot more rosy. I mean, this is also the season as well where the Celtic takeover was, and they were finally getting their way out of the absolute financial mess by the, uh, what was the name of the families? Oh, there was the Kellys, there was the Whites, there was, there was a few dynasty sort of owners um, that were in there. So that obviously, McCann, Fergus McCann arrived in March um, and Tommy Burns arrived in July, I think, um, to start the season. So Celtic, yeah, like you say, they were on their knees. They were still sort of emerging from the turmoil of that um, when Burns arrived. And they really had a strong start to the season. They looked like they were going to challenge once again for the title. And then, in terms of this season, the wheels completely came off. They went on an 11-game stretch where they didn't win a single league game. And during that time as well, I think they won a cup, crucially, they won a cup game, I think, but they'd lost, maybe not because the cup would have taken place later, but they'd lost a, a League Cup game, a very famous League Cup game, everybody's favourite Wraith Rovers game, and I include Wraith Rovers yep. fans in that, <laughs> but they lost the uh, League Cup final 2-2 two, two, two it was, and they lost on penalties, as uh, if you go back and listen to the Wraith Rovers memorable team, you'll hear more about that game and that team, uh, the, well, the Wraith Rovers team, uh, how much Celtic can't mention. <laughs> Yeah, one of Sean McGuigan's favourite I think of his favourite times in life he would probably have that cup final number one and talking about it number two he'd <laughs> be, be subject to mass around probably yeah he would be <laughs> uh, so it was actually uh, from, uh, from October the 1st until December the 31st Celtic didn't win a league game um, but they brought in Pierre van Houdonk in January Things did pick up a little bit, but they still... What was it, the finish fourth or fifth that season? Fourth, I think, yeah. But they did manage to win the Scottish Cup. They, they were held to a replay by Hibs in the semis, and then defeated them 3-1 in the, the, the return game. Remember when semis used to have replays? Don't get that anymore. Quite yeah, rightly. Yeah, quite rightly so, rightly, I think. Yeah. When was the last one? Hibs Dunfermline? It must have been. Ah, and and when, uh, when about three people turned up for that replay, I think that was maybe the time to say, like, let's yeah. not do this anymore. Uh, and then defeated Airdrie 1-0 in the Scottish Cup final. Airdrie, incidentally, defeated Hearts. The only game I've cried at after. That was about eight at the time. <laughs> that was their, their first their first trophy in, in, in seven years. Not yeah. when the, the last time they won the league was 88. The, the, no, no, sorry, six years. The, the yeah, Scottish, Scottish eight, Cup in 89. Yeah. And then League Cup was uh, last time. Yeah, Pollock's Day's first trophy as captain. His first, I think his only trophy as captain. Um, I might be wrong saying it's only one. It certainly was his first as captain, which was just as big a deal as it was for Tommy Burns as kind of his first trophy as manager. Mm-hmm. Um, that's game. It's funny because, I mean, and I don't mean to sound sort of uber Celtic here, but winning a cup for a season when Rangers are, are kind of running all over the top of you in the league wouldn't necessarily always be defined as a success but for that that game it was, I mean I've, I've watched it back I don't particularly remember it um, offhand myself but the atmosphere and just the relief to have won that one seems to kind of be on a par almost with winning the league um, just because it had been so long and because Paul McStay one of the kind of I mean absolutely superb midfielder um, and I'd never kind of won anything as captain until that point, like just a bit of relief, I think. So we got to the summer, summer of 95, 96. 
Looking back, I thought they made like a number of signings to make the team a lot better, and they made some decent signings, but it wasn't quite as many as I thought. In the summer, they only signed two players: Andreas Tom and John Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought Andreas Tom was quite a good player; he was a bit underrated, and he kind of got almost kind of pushed out the team when they kind of started signing, like they became the Celtic Galacticos with like Decanio, Van Hoydonk and Cadetti and decided there was really room for Tom anymore. But I thought that first season Tom was excellent. Andy Tom, that's probably the first Celtic song I can remember being at the stadium and actually like sort of getting all the words to. <laughs> at four or five, uh, that was uh, just his chant. I forget exactly what it was. but No, no, I'm not, there's not going to be a Terrace podcast karaoke, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, like, I mean, Andy Tom was a cracking player um, and just, like you say, I think got pushed out of the side eventually by sheer kind of brilliance. Yeah. Uh, and John Hughes signed for 380 grand from from, from <laughs> uh, Not one of the more. But what was Hughes? I can't really remember. What was Hughes was just kind of ended up being a squad player at Celtic, didn't he? I think so. Yeah. I mean, he arrived in the, like you say. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a huge sort of marquee signing by any means, but um, I think he did all right. I think he played a fair few games, but I don't think he was ever sort of a mainstay um, in that Celtic side. And then he obviously he left again and disappeared to Hibs. Yeah. Uh, they did more signings were to come. McNamara joined yeah. in uh, October from Dunfermline. And signed Morton Vickers before the return of the year as well. But uh, Celtic this season, it, it was, they were back to the, the challenge once again. Rangers at the top of the league. They only finished four points behind Rangers. The problem was that in six matches that season... They didn't beat Rangers once. I think they lost four of them, including exit in both cups. Tommy Burns once said that on his tomb- tombstone it would say Andy Gorham broke my heart, and that pretty that season pretty much summed that up. Um, the, uh, that was again going back to my childhood. There was a feeling at that point I think that we could we could have signed anybody, and Andy Gorham wouldn't have let a goal in. Um, he was just just in great form. I mean, obviously he was a cracking keeper. In his day, and uh, he just he seemed to turn it on, especially when when Celtic came calling. So, um, unfortunately, uh, around that time, we were at time, we in quite a lot of games we were playing them off the park, and still we were losing one nil, even losing one nil to ten men and things like that. It was just uh, it was a frustrating, probably a bit like what it's like to be a Hibs fan against when they play Hearts actually. No disrespect to Hibs fans, but over the last few years it's been a bit like that as well, where even when Hearts haven't played well, they've still dug out a 1-0 win, or even if you go back to the Austerk equaliser late in the game earlier this season, things like that. It's, I mean, it's, uh, it's it must be a sort of similar feeling. This is, this is the only time we've not welcomed the Hearts reference, on, uh, just because of the last game. <laughs> the wins are yeah, still wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was like that until Robbie <laughs> yeah, turned up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you did actually manage to slip three goals, or well, I presume he might not have been playing, because I remember Gorham had a few injury problems kind of around this time in Ali Maxwell. I've always felt confident any time that Hearts went to play Rangers, if Ali Maxwell was playing, I'd think we'd win. And a lot of times we actually did, it was weird. It just seemed to be if Gorham was playing, then yeah. Rangers were invincible. Hearts were a really good side around that time as well, didn't they? I mean, so, uh, this was I, this was the start of. Right, we're not talking about this. Sorry, we're, we're jumping ahead here, sorry. Um, yeah, it, but there was a game, I think Gore might have been playing, but I'm not too sure, a 3 all draw at Ibrox, which just goes down with one of the great old firm classics of the last, well certainly the last 30 years, uh, 3-H, um, Loudrop McCoyst and a Tosh McKinley on goal uh, for Rangers, and Tom, uh, John Consability and Van Hoydon for Celtic. I remember watching that game as a, when I was younger, it was an absolutely epic game of football. Uh, I think it was Van Hoydon who scored... Yeah, I can't remember if he scored the goal put Celtic 3-2 up or it was a late equaliser. Anyway, probably should have researched that. Uh, yeah, so they, kind of, they kept pace with Rangers throughout the season, but it was always kind of like Rangers had them slightly at arm's length. Like it would always be three to five points, and the, that, that was due to the fact that, that Celtic couldn't beat them in any, any big games. George Gennetti signed in March, scored a 5-0 win over, over Aberdeen. I remember that. Celtic... Goal. Finished the season pretty strong in the league. I think they won like six out of their last eight games. But again, didn't beat Rangers. Exited the Scottish Cup semi-final between the sides. Rangers went on to beat Hearts 5-1 in the final. So that could have been another trophy. Exited the League Cup pretty early. I think it was a 1-0 defeat. 
So yeah, that was just a, a, a similar tale, and it went on to the next season. Is there anything you want to add about that that campaign before we got on to? Not really. No, it's um, unfortunately for for Tommy Burns that that will be as kind of that that will always have been his legacy as manager. Played some great great football. I mean, just to watch them was they were superb to sit and watch as a, as a team. But too many times, poor defending let them down. Uh, when they were when they were scoring sort of thing, it was just too many times they were slack at the back as well. So we move on to the next six thirty seven season where uh, Paulo De Canio joined. He was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember reading in the De Canio's book because Celtic the previous season finished with eighty three points, and over the next two seasons that would have been enough to win them the table. But I remember reading in the Canyon's book how he said that Celtic defeated... He pretty much said that Celtic defeated everybody but couldn't beat Rangers. And maybe it was just somebody not being used to the way that Scottish football works. <laughs> because when you, they, Celtic dropped point in 13 games. And all they didn't beat Rangers. There's still a few other teams who dropped points to their Paolo. Because finishing with 75 points, isn't that great? Yeah. Uh, so that, that team, looking at that, that team's actually performed a little bit less than I thought they did. Because I thought that... If you'd taken that team into the next season, they would have steam, they would have strolled the league. But if you look at the points tallies, it's actually pretty similar. I think Celtic won the title with 70, 74. 74, yeah, actually. Yeah, much, yeah. One point more. It's, um, yeah, you're right. Again, it's Tommy Burns. It's uh, a great guy, great manager um, in the sense of the sort of style he put in place. But he just seemed to sort of forget about defending at times, unfortunately. Because the season started off... It was a familiar. I say I'd, I'd said just that they had problems beating other teams, but the season started just like I'd, I'd said it. I'd, I mean, the, they drew their first game at Aberdeen, then they won five in a row, then got beat by Rangers. Then went another four game undefeated streak, winning three of them, then got beat by Rangers. <laughs> that was how the league started. There <laughs> uh, was, was exits to um, perform poorly in all cups that season because he beat by Hamburg in the UEFA Cup early That's on. Right, yeah. Put it by Hearts in the League Cup, and then later on by Falkirk over to uh, a replay in the, in the Scottish Cup. And yeah. it was at that point that Tommy kind of fans just accepted that Tommy Burns which wasn't good enough yeah. to be manager of Celtic, or where Celtic wanted to go and to stop to stop Rangers winning uh, ten in a row. I think they lost all four games to Rangers that season, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. I don't, including that mental game in uh, March. Yeah, I think so. When when Mark Haley came back and Decario lost his mind and everything, <laughs> sorry, some bit of fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, more of the same, unfortunately. I thought that game was a lot closer to the end of the season than it was. I can't believe it was just Mark. Uh, but yeah, it was just. Uh, I don't know if it was a mental block or just. It just seems to just at that time, like I say, it just seemed to be a case of that they were in. There was there was just this pressure. Obviously, they knew that Rangers were closing in on number nine, and that was their record kind of shared. And um, guys like Andy Gorham, and the other thing as well is, I mean, Celtic spent decent money that season because uh, I think that was also I think I'm right in saying it was the season they bought Alan Stubbs in for three and a half million. They spent one point three on Darren Jackson, Tony Tommy Johnson from Villa for two point three million. Tommy Johnson, <laughs> <laughs> great player, Tommy Johnson. But, um, <laughs> They spent probably money, maybe not quite comparable to Rangers, but certainly a hell of a lot more money than they'd spent ever um, on players, and they just still couldn't beat Rangers, um, which again just sort of shows how good that Rangers side was. Um, some cracking kind of European level players in there that they were up against, and it just they, they came up short every time. Yeah, and you mentioned the cup exits, cup exits to Hearts League Cup after extra time. Hearts had. Four players missing, having had them sent off against Rangers <laughs> at the weekend, so they didn't have a back four, but still managed to keep a clean sheet in 120 minutes. Uh, and also got knocked out of the Scottish Cup to Falkirk after a replay. That only would have been set up for a Dundee United uh, Celtic final, and Dundee United were brilliant that season. It looked like it was going to be a really good final. And then we got, no offence, because we've, we've done this memorable team, we've got Falkirk Kamarnock instead. <laughs> yeah, a bit uninspiring. <laughs> sorry, Falkirk, sorry, Kamarnock. <laughs> Which kind of contradicts what we're saying on Monday, saying we're really looking forward to this year's final. But I don't know. It was just that was a really good Dundee United side. I would have quite liked to see if they could could have maybe caused a shock that day. That was a kind of Scandinavian influx. But yeah, somehow Falkirk uh, in two games, I remained undefeated against Celtic. Kevin James scored, didn't he? 
think so. Yes, he did. I remember seeing because uh, Falkirk released that video uh, prior to their came against um, Hibs. Oh, with um, the weird song. What was it? The song. Uh, oh. It's like an acoustic version of some like. Oh, what was it? Awful, absolutely yeah. awful. Like. And because uh, it mentioned uh, playing for the Blues or something in it. Yeah, yeah. I. Oh, what was it? Yeah, I'm going to wear the navy blue or whatever. Yeah. One, they changed one of the lines. God, I don't even know what it was, but it was awful. But uh, Tommy Burns left at the, before this season ended. Was that correct? In this, yeah, in this I think season? he left with four games to go or three or four games to go. He left. Um, so there had to be obviously. It was just one of these things that. I think they knew the league. Well, the league was gone, and, and obviously both cups had they'd fallen short. Um, and I think, like like you were saying a few couple of minutes ago, I think the realization had well and truly set in. There was a feeling in that season that that was his last chance to sort of really mount a, a challenge and, and topple Rangers. And when it became clear that that wasn't going to happen, I think it made sense for him to to go. But it's a shame on how he went because he went in slightly kind of acrimonious circumstances as well. He was offered a effectively had a motion to manage the youth league which uh, the youth side which ironically came back and did so well with um, for Gordon Strachan uh, sort of 10 years later 11 well eight, nine, ten years later came back and did so um, and he said no to it uh, and he'd sort of I think had fallen out with Fergus McCann by that point and ended up doing something that pro- something pretty uncharacteristic of him he, he went to the tabloids and sold the story um, Double page spread, I think, in the Daily Record or the Sunday Mail or, or one of the two, um, sort of having a dig at things that were happening at the board with the board at Celtic, and I think he regretted that in, in later years because it wasn't really like him. He was he was a he was a, he was one of kind of football's nice guys, um, so it was a parting shot and there was a bit of bitterness there for a while, I think, um, which obviously led us into the summer because um, they went they went for a continental. Continental kind of That's right, yeah, with the uh, sort of director of football thing coming in, um, which was Jock Brown, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we were talking about Jock Brown earlier, yeah, um, which wasn't a popular choice by any means, um, but yeah, I mean, like I say, Tommy left and then there was there seemed to just be this unending wait. Um, Some of the names that were linked to the job were well, ridiculous. Bobby Robson was... Apparently, on the point of joining, um, he had been convinced to. to We've heard this as well. <laughs> some, some other names. Um, it was, I think it was Celtic Wicked. It was uh, Joe Kinnear, Stuart Baxter. Um, Stuart Baxter, obviously. Terry, Terry Venables and uh, Johan Cruyff. They're just yeah. it's, um, They did get a Dutchman in It head. makes you, yeah, true. Um, it makes you wonder if one of these guys had come in, how things might have gone. Um, you actually played on the same side as Cruyff in the 1974 World yeah, Cup. Yeah, there would be a lustrous career with uh, Feyenoord and Ajax. Um, also, it was, was also managed by Dick Advocate, who arrived a couple ah. of years later to sort of fight back against Celtic. Um, but yeah, uh, when Jan- Ben Janssen got the job, I think, 1st of July, uh, after sort of two months almost of, I think about seven weeks, of looking where fans were getting increasingly frustrated and when he arrived he was pretty much openly ridiculed by the press and by sort of a lot of fans actually he had a funny name and a no, funny haircut well uh, Daily Record said he was um, the worst thing to hit Hiroshima since um, <sighs> yeah. the um, atom bomb following his spell at uh, Sanfri- Sanfrici Hiroshima that yeah. was uh, preceding his time at Celtic <laughs> I would imagine there'd be a, <laughs> there'd be a, a, a complaint put into the press, <laughs> into uh, some sort of press governing body for that kind of comment these days. But, but yeah, it's, um, it's not so surprising ignorance from certain. True, uh, but then at the same time, he, he did arrive with a pretty average record. So um, was left field, yeah, appointment very much so. Yeah, um, he arrived and he didn't really have any pen, especially when. Bobby Robson was the one for me that I can always remember as a kid. Um, I can remember that, and I can remember my dad becoming very sort of excited about the idea of Bobby Robson possibly getting the job, um, and he was convinced just to move upstairs at Barcelona at the kind of eleventh hour of that deal. So uh, to go from a name like Bobby Robson and, and like you say, guys like Cruyff and uh, even Terry Venables at the time, guys like that, really kind of well known high pedigree managers to all of a sudden of Wim Janssen uh, who hadn't really done a, a huge amount in his management career um, and had had been one of the kind of architects of Celtic's defeat in the 1970 European Cup final uh, so he didn't exactly arrive 
Celtic fan for you for the Celtic fans. Yeah, I lost his first league game as well. Lost both. Yeah, so oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. He, he got beat um, by uh, Tyrrell Innsbruck in the UEFA yep. Cup. It, it seems a, a thing with Celtic managers now, they have a really shit start to their career, especially in Europe, where guys Strachan and Bratislava. Um, Lennon didn't exactly get on well. Dyla this season. Dyla, yeah. To be no, fair, Celtic actually did go through though. Yeah, yeah, they Dyla, went through the second leg, yeah, yeah. And Strachan. And then to play Liverpool where um, they got put out in away goals but played really well. Yeah, the, the home leg at, at Celtic Park was, um, I think that was the first glimmer of the a Celtic side that might just kind of be capable of something this season. I don't think even at that point, that was September I think, I don't think at that point anybody was really too impressive what they had Because it was, it was a quite overhaul on the team as well because Di Canio... Cadetti and, and Hoydong had all gone at this point, yeah. I think the Canyon was still on the, the point. Of, I think officially he was, he was still loan. with Celtic. I think he was on yeah, loan. Um, but he had effectively Wednesday. gone on strike, so he ended up down at Sheffield United, I think, or Sheffield Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so. Did you have to mention pushing the ref just before we move on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny moment. was sending off. There was, a, there was a game as well the season before, there was a two-all draw at Parkhead with Hearts where De Canio was sent off, he'd been booked and then he scored a penalty and then running on the way back to the centre circle he decided to stop off and get in the face of Stevie Fulton, this was his celebration, <laughs> <laughs> and like got right in his face and like could have done the finger and then the kind of, the head, the fake headbutt, yeah, yeah, the, kind of the head-to-head nudge, thing, yeah. and then I was him sent off, right, are you so angry about it, you scored? <laughs> Uh, aye, do, do you remember much about the, the three the three Galacticos? Well, Pierre van Hooydonk was my first official sort of proper hero at Celtic. That was the guy that uh, the first time I sort of really took an interest in Scottish football, he had just arrived. Um, so he was my first sort of hero. I remember the Canio playing for us. I remember Cadetti's um, song. Well, yeah, there's the song, yeah. Um, let's not go down the route of the John Gadetti version, <laughs> shall we? Um, but yeah, I mean, the, I remember Cadetti's, uh, you, you mentioned it earlier, his debut goal and uh, in, in the 5-0 win. Uh, I remember that, he dinked it over the keeper, then just seemed to forget the keeper was on the floor in front of him and just ran through the keeper and fell in a heap. Um, I remember that, a midweek game. Um, so these guys were my sort of first... That was the strike force that was there when I started to pay attention to, to Celtic. Um, but the following season, obviously, all, all these guys had long since moved on. Um, and we got a fair bit of money, I think, for uh, for Van Hooydonk. I think it was three and a half million yeah. or something. Yeah, Because yeah. um, he, was, he was sold before the season ended. He yeah, was sold right. the way through this, uh, yeah. the season before Vim Janssen came. Yeah. And then um, in the summer, he probably signed to the greatest player that £650 ever bought Celtic or any club in Scotland I mean it's it's funny because everybody talks about the first game the first game was at Easter Road against Hibs and he his first touch of the ball for Celtic when he came on as a sub that game was to pass to Chick Charnley who just battered it into the net and uh, that's the, the, there's uh, I've heard people mention people about that game Things like people, sort of Celtic fans in the stand saying things like, oh, this guy's pissed, he'll never do anything for Celtic, which uh, sort of proved to be the ultimate irony in the end. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 600, I think it was 660 grand they spent on him, which isn't bad going considering what they got out of him over seven years. Yeah, you said 650 quid. I, I didn't notice that, I just skipped, I didn't want to sort of like, <laughs> I knew what he meant. I didn't think the he was that. <laughs> Come back to like 1920s. That's <laughs> Um, of course, talking about Henry Larson. Yeah, yeah. Who his name? Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's funny. I mean, we spent nine point four million on Craig Burley, Reggie Blinker, Mark Reaper, Paul Lambert, Harold Bratback. Um, cost nine point four million combined, and yet six hundred grand for Henry Larson. You also spent like out the lot. two million on Tommy Johnson. Uh, yeah, it was the season before. At the yeah. end, the season before, uh, two point three, I think it was from Villa um, I'm just uh, just kind of comparing yeah well, it's funny money. it's funny though how if we're in 2015 right and Celtic tend to spend in the bracket of anywhere between half a million and two and a half maybe three at a push mm-hmm. which actually is comparable to what they were spending even 20 years ago now um, and now I know that this was the start um, for, for a long time before that they'd barely spent a penny whereas all of a sudden now they're having to spend money to chase Rangers down um, so rapidly but it's just it's interesting that we haven't really moved on if you look at like for instance in the English Premier League where 10 million used to sort of 15 
years ago, 10 million would have got you. Had 10 million was 80 million. Yeah, whereas 10 million now gets you nobody. Yeah. 10 million doesn't even buy you Balotelli and look at Balotelli. So um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to see how little things have changed for Celtic in that sense, um, supposedly. And I don't mean to sort of, again, sound condescending about one club, but supposedly a big European club is, um, as they would like to be. And they're still having to sort of spend fairly kind of paltry sums. But two people that we signed um, to go back to there um, that are pretty kind of important people. Paul Lambert obviously had arrived after he'd become homesick um, following a spell at Borussia Dortmund where they, they won the Champions League. Um, Harold Bratback arrived pretty much an unknown, a training accountant as well, which uh, sort of drew a bit of derision from Celtic fans and ended up pretty important in the... Did miss a lot of sitters though. He did, a lot, yeah. Um, it was kind of his thing. That was his trademark, really. I think if if, uh, if he hadn't come on as a sub in that last game of the season, that would have been Harold Bradback's legacy, would have been the guy that missed the sitters. Um, this is all This is all kind of sort of leading towards, obviously, us stopping Rangers winning 10 in a row. None of it potentially would have happened if it wasn't for a squash game between Sergio Perini and Marco Negri, and Marco Negri <laughs> at the end of 1997. Uh, Marco Negri arrived in the summer and basically set about destroying everything in front of him. He scored 36 goals by Christmas, then took a squash ball to the eye and didn't play for the rest of the season. Yeah, <clears throat> quote-unquote squash ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it was both Rangers and Celtic that season were... Um, were not the most stable of of clubs. Obviously, Rangers. Uh, Walter Smith was going. Yeah. Uh, the players seemed to be drained. Uh, everyone seemed to be drained. The club seemed to be drained. That nine in a row, just this pressure. Whereas Celtic, um, they, they they were four points behind at New Year, but obviously they won the League Cup at, uh, by that point, mm-hmm. uh, which had given them a boost in kind of confidence. And then they beat Rangers two 0 which uh, brought them to within a point. And uh, they went went ahead of them, and they they started to drop points because it seemed as if they didn't know what to do in that in, in that kind of position. So it was, um, and then they had the off off the field issues with uh, Vim Jansen and Jock Brown clashing, yeah. uh, the, the stadium issues, and um, kind of it was just the start of Celtic building back up again. It's um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was two Celtic and Rangers, two sides struggling to cope with the pressure of what was being asked of them because you had a Celtic side that hadn't won a league in a decade since this, the double in the centenary season in 88. Um, they hadn't won the league. So they, did, they didn't really have anybody at the club at all who, who knew what it meant to get through a season and get over that finishing line. Whereas your Rangers who'd done the nine, they had, they had kind of hit that mark, that target that they'd set out to do. And then they had an aging squad trying to go one better. Um, they had a kind of crumbling... Squad of guys. It was kind of a mix because they brought in a lot of guys in the summer who were kind of the young, kind of forty yeah, guys, and they had yeah. the old, and it just didn't quite gel. No, no, that's it. I think. I mean, well, obviously, guys like uh, Paul Gascoigne disappeared to Middlesbrough eventually during the course of that. That was season. like, guy, that was like March. It was weird because yeah, I yeah, thought they could have used them for the for the running. But. but you would have thought, surely, that Walter Smith would have convinced them, look, hang on for six weeks here, um, and then you can go in at the end of May. But um, it was. Uh, and of course, this is all forgetting the fact. This isn't. Uh, this is all kind of out with the fact that you had a harsh side who were keeping pace for pretty much the entire season until the last, I think, three or four games were within a couple of points of both. Yeah, we've been over that. For Hearts problems that they couldn't be either Rangers or Celtic. Yeah. At the end of the season, they had a better record against the rest of the teams than both of the old firm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, didn't didn't be either of them in the league. I don't think. Negative, no. Yeah. I think they drew at Celtic. Celtic Park. eventually beat Rangers as well. That was kind of important. The Alan yeah. Stubbs goals maybe you could point to as being a bit of a, a turning point. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Paul Lambert as well scored an absolute screaming, I'm sure, um, his first Old Firm game. I'm pretty sure it was that. See, I may be wrong, but just sort of was, was employed as a holding midfielder and just sort of decided not to bother for a couple of minutes, came forward and got on the end of an absolute... Screamer. Since we're over time, we're just going to have to just say, yeah, and then they, they also win the League Cup and the League. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much. Brought back the score to kind of clinching goal against St Johnson. Yeah, yeah. The they should have won it on uh, the, the week before against yeah, the Fenland, Fenland game. But Craig Falkenbridge, <laughs> old fans of the show, remember him, uh, equalised for the Fenland quite late on, I think it was as well. Wasn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was, so if, if not in stoppage time, then right, kind of. 88, 89 minutes. Because certainly would have won the league that yeah. day if they'd won. If they'd won, that was it, done and dusted. They got in, went into the last game head to head on the Saturday, three o'clock kickoff while Rangers were playing, and they knew they just had to, they had to avoid 
any any kind of slip up against St Johnston, and when they went two up, uh, they knew. I remember listening to that on the radio because again the SFA with their genius planning, uh, no televised final day football. Um, even though obviously we were well into the age of Sky at that point, so I remember listening to Radio Scotland and and cr- first game I ever cried about was that game when the when Harold Bratback's goal went in. So, so your, your your tears were joyful. Mine were yeah, sorry by yeah. Audrey in a semi final. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's it for this week's show. We've run out of time, so there's a we'll tweet out the punt this week and the ridiculous amount of money you'll get back from uh, from the sixfold accumulator. In the meantime, uh, ch- t- sorry, till next week's show, uh, Monday show, check out the website www.terracepodcast.net. If you'd like to send us an email, the address is show at terracepodcast.net. Our Facebook numbers have been steadily rising. Please be one of those joining the revolution uh, by going to www.facebook.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. And we're also available on Twitter. The handle is at Terrace Podcast. My handle is at CraigFiller86. My handle is at Sked21. And um, have a good time. You didn't have to say bye, I just want your handle. Oh, it's okay. fine. Uh, it Mark McCardle1. You can say goodbye as well if you like. Goodbye, thank you very much for having me again. And since there'll be a lot of games over the weekend, I hope you enjoy your football. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.